This is KMTT. Kimitzion Titzei Torah. And on Mondays in Cholesh Elul of this year, Tashin Samachtet, we're getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we're going to have Harav Moshe Taragin, who will be giving a weekly shir on the Tefilot of the Amim Noraim. In the section of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur davening, one of the most climactic moments of our davening, Unisana Tokif Kiddush Sayom, very well-known um, portion um, describing the gravity of the day, ending with the very heavy and ominous reality, Berosh Hashanah Yikasevun, Uviyom Sam Kibor Yechasemun, Miyachem, Miyamos, etc. That section concludes with Uteshuva, Utfila, Utsedaka. Ma'avirin is Roa Hagzira. The three tools to counteract HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Gezira, to change, as it were, our Gezira, are Tshuva, Tfila, and Staka. This is based on a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Zayin. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Tazayin, would base, Amar Yitzchak, Dalad Devarim, Mekarim Gzardino Shel Adam. There actually are four tools to overturn, to counteract a perhaps evil or um, unf- uh, misfortunate Gzera. Elohein Tzedaka, Se'aka, Shinu Hashem, Veshinu Maisa. Tzedaka is, of course, Tzedaka. Se'aka is a form of Tefillah. Shinu Maisa would be a general term for tshuva, and of course the Gemara speaks about Shina Hashem, which the Rambam includes, not just of course changing your name in an artificial manner, but becoming a completely different person, not improving, but transforming. As uh, the Balei Mutsu used to speak, not to become a Besser Mensch, a better person, but to become a Nandra Mensch, a different person entirely. But roughly this Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Tavzayin Amadbei serves as the basis for that concluding phrase in the section of Unisana Tokef, and certainly one of the uh, the pr- premises of tefillah is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu built a world and structured a world that our tefillahs really can change his will and affect his will. Even though from a um, a priori perspective it would seem ridiculous, preposterous that the divine will could be influenced by a human tongue, by human prayer, and indeed, many thinkers throughout the generations claimed that prayer is solely or exclusively reflexive or contemplative, meditative, it's cathartic to the person praying, and there's certainly certainly an element of that in tefillah. But Judaism believes that a tefillah can alter a Kurdish Baruch Hu's ratzel. Yaakov's tefillah in Parshas Vayetzeh, is a attack, is a pigiah, is lifgoah, is a is an attempt to influence HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will. Yaakov is alone, Yaakov is being stalked, Yaakov is penniless, and he damns HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he alters HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan. And he secures safe passage and a safe future for himself. And there are numerous instances where the tefillah is portrayed in that, so to speak, very aggressive stance, that we're trying to change the Ratzon Hashem, whether it's the tefillah of Moshe, we read about it on Atanias, Vayichal Moshe Espenei Hashem Elokav, and the Gemara and Brachos has some very, very decidedly assertive imageries associated with Moshe's tefillah. 
Moshe turned Hashem into a cholek, into a sick person, he made him weak like a nekeva, he was mechalel, he violated Hashem's uh, oath, that Hashem swore to destroy the Jewish people, he forced Hashem to violate it, Bal Yachel, Devaro. We look back at the prayer miracles, if it were just uh, something whose conclusion were foregone, but it's not how Chazal see, the Midrashim are replete with the, the sense that a potential end had come, that God what might have destroyed his people. And the, the Jews were on the block, and Artfilas Lech Kinosis Kolayutim saved the day. So if Tshuva is an attempt to, to, uh, to change who you are, to rewrite your past, to implement your freedom of choice in the boldest fashion, not just to make choices about the world around you, but to author choices about the world within you, well, it is only natural that Tzvila is a complement to Tshuva, is an attempt to not just change yourself and morally improve, but to parlay that change into Kura-Roa-Gizar-Dineinu, to asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to um, tear, to ignore, to discard whatever unfavorable verdicts or conclusions he had reached about our future. So it's only natural that tefillah and tshuva are joined at the hip, are experiences that pollinate one another. But the truth is, there are many more roles for tefillah within the tshuva process. That Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, when Dav Tezayin Amad suggests a very technical, functional role. The Baal Tshuva improves himself, asks God to forgive him, asks God not just to forgive him, but to cancel any ominous gezeros. And Tfilah is the classic tool to change a Kurdish Baruch Hu's will. So, of course, it is the tool of a Baal Tshuva. When the Rambam describes the role of Tefillah, and to a degree he's really a little bit more faithful to the original Gemara and Rosh Hashanah, the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, Perak Beis, Halacha Vav, Afopi Shehatshuva, excuse me, Perak Beis, excuse me, Halacha Dalad, Midarche Hatshuva, Lios Hashav, a person who has performed Tshuva, Tzoek Tamid, Lifnei Hashem, Bivchi Uvitachanunim, he's constantly screaming, crying, Soliciting, petitioning. Tzoek tamid lefnei Hashem, constantly crying and davening. Bevchiyu v'tachanunim, heartfelt, tear-filled davening and pleads, or pleas. V'yoset staka kefikacho, yigiv staka. Mishana Shmo, the Rambam continues. This doesn't sound like an object-oriented feel of the Baal needs to eliminate or to erase whatever disfavorable verdicts have been issued. Kiraro agazar dinenu, as Rabbi Yitzchak may have described it, but it's Tz'aka, general tefillahs. What functions do tfilah, does tefillah play within the experience of tshuva? As we approach Yom Kippur, and so much of our day is dominated by tefillah, so much of our time spent in the Beis HaKnesses and Shul and the Beis HaMedrash davening, what are the impacts of tefillah upon the tshuva process? aside from Rabbi Yitzchak's statement of Mikarin Gzardino Shil Adam. So, first and foremost, again, doesn't, uh, you don't have to look too far, the Pasuk in Hosea, 
Pasuk in Hoshea, which serves as the introduction to Chavez Tshuva. Perak Yudalad. Shuva Yisrael Ad Hashem Elokecha Ki Chashalta Bavonecha. Important Pasuk in its own right. But the Navi encourages Am Yisrael to repent and to return to Hashem. Pasuk Gimel, Perak Yudalad. Kichu Imachem Divarim. Vishuvu El Hashem. Take Divarim. Seize Divarim. Imru Elav, Kol Tisavon Vikachtov, Unishel Maparim Svatenu. There are many interpretations of what this Divarim is. Take words. In fact, some interpretations in the Medrash, many interpretations, refer to the power of Torah, the potency of Torah within the Shuvah process. Divarim does not refer to Tfilah, it refers to Talmud Torah. Torah is a very important part of the Shuvah experience. For example, one salient aspect of tshuva is v'tahara, v'tahara libenu, v'nakeh, we don't just want to be forgiven, we want to pure, how do you purify yourself? So different answers to that question, but one way to purify yourself is tahara. Maradarshans and brachos, that tahara is compared to water for many reasons, but one reason is that water confers tahara and does not admit tuma, which is tahara. Tahara can't become tamay. Tahara has this transcendent value, transcendent element to it isn't impurified by our actions. It's timeless. It's beyond the human experience, unlike tefillah, which is a primarily a human experience. But the simple reading of this Pasuk, would refer to words, to spoken words, to prayer, and the words that a person prays. And the role of tefillah and tshuva is described by the end of the Pasuk, Unishalma parim one of the first responsibilities, fundamental responsibilities, obligations, or duty of a Baltruva is to offer a carbon, whatever type of carbon that is. And each carbon responds to a different variety of the human condition. Many of them, after a human being has fallen into hate or has suffered the demoralizing influence of religious failure and they have therapeutic and cathartic value, but also there's a moral and, and almost monetary responsibility. We don't have a base Hamikdash anymore. And Tfilos replaced in the Shalma Parm Svasein, a very, uh, very, very well known, uh, well documented phrase in Hosea. So, before inspecting the subtle dynamics and subtle impacts of Tfilah upon Jubat, the Prophet in Hosea provides the obvious role of Tfilah. Not just Rabbi Yitzchak's role in Rosh Hashanah Daptezayin to um, erase a disfavorable verdict, a Gizar Din Ra, but to substitute for whatever korbanos a Baal Tshuva, a Baal Chet, owes, and, and not just owes in the legal sense, but should offer as part of the recovery process. But obviously there's more. Obviously, there's a lot more to the role of tefillah within tshuva. The first two are both very, very pragmatic. Pragmatic, obviously, in the Yitzchak sense, in a celestial way. Pragmatic to alter Hashem's ratzon, to be korek zardin, kiraroak zardinenu. Pragmatic in replacing korbanos. But there are additionally existential roles, or roles in which Tefillah existentially impacts tshuva, the fabric, the emotions, the experience of tshuva.
When the Rambam describes the process of tshuva in the beginning of Hilchos tshuva, he writes, when a person performs tshuva, chayev lehisvados lifnei Hashem. You have to recite vidor in the presence of Hashem. So the Rav Zatzar Salvechek asks the obvious question, why does the Rambam constantly, and he returns to this two or three times, why does the Rambam emphasize that the vidor has to be recited lifnei Of course, and where else would you be reciting it? In front of who else? It seems to be superfluous. And the Rav's basic answer was as follows, that the term lefnei Hashem is a term or a phrase snatched from the world of tefillah. Tefillah is described as amida lefnei Hashem. The Gemara in Brachos describes Rebbe Eliezer, who was about to die, and his Tamidim asked him for some parting words of Torah, and Eliezer told him, when you daven, de'u lefnei miyatem omdim. When Avraham davens in, in Parshas Vayera, he goes back to the place of Shur Ahmad Sham. So obviously, Amidah Lifnei Hashem is a phrase describing the posture of a person and the proximity of a person while involved in tefillah. The Rav claimed that tshuva has to be prefaced by a tefillah. Before a person can perform tshuva, a person has to pray. Why, why does a person have to pray before he performs tshuva? Why is, why is tefillah almost a pretext or a precondition for tshuva? Before questioning the way in which tefillah enriches or, or alters tshuva, tefillah first serves as a precondition in entering to the world of tshuva. I think there are two reasons. One is, again, more pragmatic. Rabbi Yonah in the Sha'arei Tshuva alludes to this in his section on tefillah, in, or the role of tefillah in tshuva, is that tshuva is an arduous, difficult process. We all have layers of deceit and self-deception and delusion. We convince ourselves of our strengths and we ignore or overlook our flaws. And we simply ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to assist us. Tefillah is a request for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to assist us in the tshuva process. Help us be pure. Help us be thorough and rigorous and honest. Help us. We, we feel almost as if we're incapable of self-authoring the very tshuva process that we're interested in. It's in our own best interest and we can't even author it. Remember, I read a while ago a, um, a poem by John Donne. John Donne was an English poet and um, in his early life, he was um, he was a, a bit of a uh, let's call him a misguided. He's uh, involved in all sorts of sins, and he was a baal tshuva. He performed repentance, and many of his sonnets and his psalms and his poems are very, are charged with religious energy and with voices of repentance. And in one of his sonnets, he actually asks God to rape him because he feels powerless and he just wants to invite that other being, his God, into his world and take over the process and render me helpless or recognize my helplessness. And to him, the only experience that best that can, the experience that can best capture this feeling of helplessness and the desire for to, to um, relegate complete control is the imagery of rape. Obviously, uh, that's a very harsh, it's a very strident image to describe in the tshuva process, but in our tefillah, we, we feel as if, we say this, Hashem s'fasai tiftach ufi agiti l'secha, yilu atzon imrifi, v'yagil nibi l'fonecha, 
open my mouth, please help me perform tshuva, let my thoughts be taken as if they're words, if I can't speak them, at least listen to my innermost thoughts and musings. So obviously we, we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help the tshuva process. The Rav Zatzal described a different reason that tefillah has to serve as a prior condition to tshuva. The Yishalmi says that tshuva predates the world 2,000 years. Seems like an odd Yishalmi. Why would tshuva be created before humanity? Tshuva is a human experience. Angels can't disobey. Angels can't rebel. So, Hence, they would not require tshuva. So why, why is tshuva created before man is created? In fact, it shouldn't even be created until after man falls, after man sins. Does it mean that tshuva, there, there are aspects of Hashem's religious creation, like Torah, that are clearly transcendent and clearly surpass human history. So it makes sense for Torah to be created before the world, but why tshuva? The world's basic point was that tshuva is illogical, it's, it's irrational, it doesn't, doesn't naturally settle into the world that we occupy. We live in a world of rules, of systems, systems by which HaKadosh Baruch Hu maintains his world, the world, the systems of physics and chemistry and science and biology and ecology and, and chemistry and math, and those are the scientific systems that govern our world, systems of time, and then there are sociological systems, political systems that HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows human beings to discover, and anyway, Hashem installs all these systems, and these systems lend predictability and, and and the certainty to our world. I can take the next step forward or down the street because I know the laws of physics dictate that the asphalt will bear my weight. If I were not able to rely on these laws of physics and to predict the future, I'd be stuck in one place. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't walk, I couldn't eat. I... It's not just the scientific systems that Akarish Baruch installed, but psychological systems. Uh, I know that if I raise my children with care and nurturing and warmth and loving, there's a good chance that that will breed and, and yield a healthy, uh, fully adjusted young man or woman. And if a person abuses, then it will create a uh, troubled person. So those are psychological systems and sexual systems. And we're governed by this is the world of science. Science tries to collect all this data, organize these systems, and then build a, a different or build a world based on the predictability and the wisdom of these systems. Tshuva is a rejection of all that is systematic about our world. No political system would allow a hardened criminal just to confess, even if that confession were heartfelt, and be exonerated from punishment. Punishment isn't merely... Uh, punishment serves as a deterrent for other people, the sense of right and wrong that people have, and person sins in an egregious fashion, he should be punished. Tshuva obliterates the notion of time. I can't go back and rewrite the past. The past is past. The past is irretrievable. But Yaman Yama says that Abal Tshuva is able to reorient his past, that his sins become merits, and his uh, mitzvah shine greater than they did in the past. And This is the Shalmi's notion that Tshuva predates the world 2,000 years. It isn't part of our world, the world of systems that Hashem inaugurated when he created our world, the world of physics and science and politics and economies, etc. The Gemara, by claiming that Tshuva predates the world 2,000 years, is effectively highlighting the fact that Tshuva doesn't really belong in our world. It's not natural. If it's not natural, 
metaphysically, it also shouldn't be seen as a natural right existentially. Before a person performs truly, he has to actually acknowledge, recognize, this is not something I deserve, this is not my license. It's something magical, it's something otherworldly, it's something that Hashem delivers as a gift to His people. And It's interesting, because if you look at the Midrashim, it wasn't obvious to the early biblical figures that they should perform tshuva. Adam doesn't really perform tshuva, and Cain performs a half-baked tshuva, and there's a medrash that Adam meets Cain and is surprised that HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepts something called tshuva from Cain. And it takes a while for mankind to realize the effect and the ability of tshuva. Hashem teaches tshuva to Am Yisrael in Midbar Sinai, the Egel Azov, and presumably the notion of tshuva is educated to humanity at large during the story of Ninveh, but I have one of the days of Aserasimei tshuva, I think it was two days ago, um, the, the, the Monday, I think it was either Sam Gedali or, or the third day, Yom Shlishi. Haresa derech tshuva levasa shoveva. You taught us tshuva. Because tshuva has to be taught. It isn't obvious. It isn't self-evident. Haresa derech tshuva levasa shoveva. Tovi asher Hashem. Okay, nyerech hataim badarech. David HaMelech writes, Hashem is kind and compassionate. He teaches us the road to recovery, the road back. So when a person davens before performing tshuva, it isn't just a prayer to Hashem to help us in that tshuva process. It's also a prayer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to give us something we just don't deserve. It isn't part of our world. And if we assume that it's our natural license, then the tshuva will become very, very um, um, misguided, misinformed. If we assume it's not something we deserve, then we're hitting the authentic sense of what tshuva is and isn't. So... That would be a, a, a more existential role of tefillah within the tshuva process, not merely in place of a karban or to eliminate a gizar din and shamayim, but as a preface to tshuva, a preface to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for his help in the tshuva process and discovering ourselves and, and in generating that type of authenticity and genuine remorse, but also asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the luxury, the privilege something we don't deserve. There may be two other aspects in which tefillah is a derech ha-tshuva, as the Rambam writes. Number one, one of the, the attitudes, the mindsets of a Baal tshuva is to constantly be in a state of hachna'av, submission, of meekness, of embarrassment, of busha. The Rabbi Yona iterates all these emotions, shame, submission, meekness, humility. The Rambam speaks about this in Hilchas Tshuva, Perek Zayin, The Rambam writes, uh, let me pull it out here, Ba'alei Tshuva, Darchan lihios shvelim v'anavim biyoter. They're very meek, they're very humble, they're very unassuming. If people insult them and raise issues of their past, they listen and they're actually happy that they have this checkered past. That's why it's important not to insult the Baal Tshuva, not to raise the specters of the past. Very interesting portrait of Kayan. The Medrash portrays Kayan as someone who performs a half-baked Tshuva. He looks at Hashem and he says, Gadol Avonimin, so is my sin too large for you to bear? And he's not even expressing remorse, he's expressing almost bewilderment that Akash Baruch Hu is so angry at him. 
And then the Medrash describes kindness. So when Vayetzi Kaim Lafnei Hashem Kigonev Das Abrios, after Hashem lessens his sentence, reduces it, instead of uh, banishing him, he just makes him live a nomadic lifestyle. So the Medrash describes kindness, fleeing from the judge, smiling, a big fat smile on his face, that he got off with less than he deserved. So why is his tshuva still considered tshuva? So the Stipler, in his Sefer Birchas Peretz, Stipler claimed that even if a minute afterwards he walked away smiling, laughing, and even scorning, for that moment he felt meek, and he felt submissiveness, and he felt humbled. And that moment of humbling is itself valuable and is part of tshuva, even if it's later replaced by uh, smugness. Very often we ask someone for mechila for all the insults and injuries and matters in which we've hurt them, and very often we know we're going to end up in the same place the year after. We'll try our hardest, but sometimes we ask ourselves, is this hypocritical? We're asking for mechila, and we know we're going to cause grief in the future. Well, obviously we shouldn't just accept it as a given, but even if we know that certain situations will return on themselves, just the act of asking for mechila and humbling yourself for that moment is a genuine moment of tshuva. Tefillah is a tool to create that humbling feeling. It should, at least. Tefillah is premised on dependence, vulnerability. That's why tefillah is so challenging in the modern context, because we don't often feel humbled. We don't often feel reliable, uh, reliant or dependent upon other forces. Our, our world sometimes appears to us to be so solid and secure and safe. But tefillah should ideally induce greater awareness of our dependability, which is why Ashrei is such an important parak, which is why the Gemara and Bracha says if you recite Ashrei twice a day, and particularly in Tshuva, that should lead to greater awareness of our own submissiveness and humility, which itself is a cornerstone of tshuva. Finally, the final aspect in which tefillah assists tshuva, obviously not final, but at least the fifth issue I wanted to discuss. Sometimes the notion of tshuva is misunderstood, grossly misunderstood. Tshuva is not improvement. Tshuva is not uh, transformation. It is all those things. But tshuva primarily is returning to Hashem. Returning to that close, warm, intimate relationship with Kutchebrich, however that's described, however that's sensed, Chait creates distance. Tshuva is a return. Shuva Yisrael an Hashem Lokech, as the Gemara Darshans in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Pevav, Gidola Tshuva, Shemagaz, Adkisi Akava, Tshuva is so great that it can restore that proximity to Kisiyakavo in the Rambam. In Parak Zayin, Hilchas Tshuva, after he lists the who, what, when, where, and how of Tshuva, lists, uh, writes a poem to Tshuva. Kama Meula Ma'ilas HaTshuva, how wonderful Tshuva is. Emesh, yesterday, Hayyem Meshukatz, in the Torah, the person was despised and contempted by God, and today becomes a friend of God, and is loved by God, he's distant, he becomes restored to Hashem's presence. The great drama of religion is how close you are to Hashem. How much you feel his presence and how much you feel alienation. That's beyond schar and onesh, beyond right and wrong. Uh, that, that, that's 
It's a goal of Avonis Hashem, to be close to their Avonis to be in His presence, to be Lifnei Hashem. And Chayid imperils it, and Tshuva revives it. So Tshuva is creating proximity, creating space, creating relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Tefillah is meant to broker that bridging. Tefillah is essentially what Tefillah creates. Tefillah creates an emotional relationship between a person and Hashem. It creates that positioning in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The person sets out to journey back into HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence to reestablish that relationship with Kuchu Baruch Hu. What's the conversation of Tefillah? That both reflects a person's relationship with Kuchu Baruch Hu and builds it. That's why Tefillah is such an important barometer of overall religious well-being. A person feels Hashem's presence powerfully. This is dominating. A person is driving a car, doesn't think of Hashem, he thinks about uh, avoiding casualties and accidents and crashing. A person performs surgeries, think about the surgery. A person uh, learns stories, think about the Telsus, not about Hashem. But if a person asks himself, well, why am I driving carefully? Why am I um, healing people? Why am I raising my family? Why am I studying Torah? Because I want to serve Hashem, and this is Hashem's will. So Hashem's always in the background. You're thinking every minute about Hashem. You have to navigate this world and address the issues that this world provides you with, even learning Torah. You're not thinking about Hashem as if Chaim Velazhin writes in the Nevesh Chaim. You're thinking about Torah. And then you speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu three times a day, and what was latent in the background now is becomes more pronounced, more vivid, more compelling in the foreground. If that background doesn't exist the entire day, then it's very difficult to turn on that relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Tzvila. Also, Tzvila is such a barometer, such a litmus of a person's relationship of Shavisa, Shavinak, Dissabi. So success in Tzvila enables the ultimate purpose of Tzvila. It catalyzes that return to Hashem and that presence in front of Kodesh These are the five most obvious, in my opinion, interactions between tefillah and tshuva. Number one, Rabbi Yitzchak's pragmatic sense of tefillah is something which can change a Kurdish Baruch Hu's will. Number two, the Pasuk and Hoshea, Unishalma Param Svaseinu. Tefillah is Bivakam Karma, we are Hashem Korbanos. That's just that we are Hashem, but these are necessary for the tshuva process. And without a base on Mikdash, tefillah is a substitute. Number three, Tefillah as a pretext or a preface to tshuva, to daven to Hashem to help us, and to daven to Hashem just to give us the opportunity for tshuva, which we shouldn't take as a natural right. Number four, tefillah as something that should create humility and meekness, hachna'as halev. And finally, tefillah as a enabler of closeness and return into the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. May we all merit to be successful in our attempts to stand in front of Hashem and Yom Kippur, to experience the Kedusha of Yom Kippur, and that our tefillah should be accepted in the Shari Shemayim on our behalf and on behalf of all of our Yisrael.